But sometimes the most powerful stuff, it's just a, a simple reminder. And I think one of the most powerful ones that I've gotten recently, which I love, is only doing the thing is doing the thing. There was some guy that wrote a huge, uh, long tweet about it. I think maybe you, maybe you've seen it, but where he said, you know, reading about doing the thing isn't doing the thing. Talking to someone who's done the thing isn't doing the thing. Planning to do the thing isn't doing the thing. The only thing that's doing the thing is doing the thing. And for me, I kind of had, sometimes I had like periods of time where I would step into this idea that everything that had something to do with my business mm-hmm. was productivity. So whether I was reading about business or I was DMing people about business or I was at a business class or whatever, as long as it had something to do with my business, I felt like, man, that was, that was productive and that was good. Now we've kind of stripped like 90% of what I was doing away and said, you can do those things. Absolutely. Read books and go to classes and all these things. Just know that's not doing the thing. So when we say do the thing for maybe an hour and a half, then we take a break, then I do another work session where I'm, where I'm doing the thing for 90 minutes, that, that's only this thing. Right? Maybe that's reaching out to podcasters or maybe it's writing my, you know, my ebook, whatever. So that, that's one thing that's very powerful to me. It's just kind of removing everything that isn't doing the thing. You are now listening to the Verify Phenoms podcast. In this show, We speak with individuals who have come from all walks of life and have overcome the mental limitations of imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and overthinking. Get your notebook ready and stay tuned to learn how you can win your mental battles and become a verifying phenom as well. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Verified Phenoms. We're always in the season talking to real people that have real challenges to have real success. Today we have with us Daniel Halga is an entrepreneur and best-selling author who's obsessed with personal development, high performance, and lifestyle design. His international bestseller, The Cure for Mediocrity, led him to his business Passion for Achievement, which has helped thousands of people across the world. His DWYP method framework, which consists of clarity work, mastering the science of habit building, leveraging momentum, utilizing high-performance tools, and so much more continues to help people reach their goals to this day. Daniel, happy Saturday. How are you doing today? Thank you, man. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm just super excited to make this happen. I've, Yeah, I've, I think we're, we're going to have a great episode, and I'm super, super uh, hyped up for this. So, yeah. Same, likewise. It's, uh, it's been like a month or two, so it's been a, a little bit of anticipation, but I am super excited to get this episode rolling with you today. Um, so as I was telling you prior um, before we got up here, I do like to get started with some rapid fire questions. Just let me know the first thing that comes to your mind, and we're just going to go rolling from there. Sound good? Love it. All right, cool. If you had to choose a completely different career path, what would it be? It would be something in, in finance or investment banking, something like that. What's one book that's had the largest impact on your life and why? Perhaps Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, because that was one of the first books I, I read, which kind of led on to everything else afterwards. If you were an animal, which one would you be? Oh, it would be so cheesy to say lion right now, but that's 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 kind of the first thing that came to mind. I, I would love to be, to be a lion, yeah. All right. 
what is your favorite hobby? Weightlifting or martial arts. Okay. And if you could create any type of random technology right now, what would it be? I think actually it would be some kind of technology where you would put a GPS in all of your favorite items, even your car keys and all these things, because sometimes I, I can't find my stuff and I'm like, man, there has to be a way for me to not have this problem. So I think it would be something like that. It would just be tiny GPSs and everything that's important to me. I agree with you on that. You know how they had the um, like the, the Apple AirTags? Those are just, it's, it's not enough. It's just, I don't know. Personally, it's not enough. I need, and they have like I think it's like tile, but yeah, something like more microscopic that's not going to cost you forty dollars or fifty dollars for each little device that you need. I completely agree mm -hmm. because I also am challenged with <laughs> losing things and like where in the world I put it. Um, so I definitely agree with you. But so okay, so Tony Robbins, his book was one of the first ones that inspired you. What led you to actually just picking up the book? Yeah, so so a, a long story short, I was kind of off track in life. I, I in my teenage years, I was I was involved in some some crimes, some drug abuse. I didn't really go to school or work a job or anything like that. So I was I was steadily going down the wrong path. And when I decided that that was not gonna give me a, a great long life, it was gonna quite the contrary, end up very badly. Um, I decided that I was gonna turn things around. And so what I did was I started. Uh, putting putting personal development books and courses and stuff like that on my my Christmas wishing list and my, my birthday wishing list and one of the first books I read was Awaken the Giant Within with Tony Robbins and I, I just feel like the the things he wrote in there were powerful and I'm using some of those tools still to this day but also just that book was kind of what awakened me to the idea of personal growth and actually studying something that you can then implement and then see a tangible result in your life that that, that idea got opened up to me and then i kind of built everything i've built on top of those ideas so i think that's why it's so important to me that book but sometimes it's difficult for me to ask sorry to answer the question you know which which one book because often for me it's it's perhaps five percent of this book or three percent of this book and seven percent of this book that really truly uh, made a difference so yeah what other books made a difference in your journey so far then well i've I've read a lot and just just about everything i want to improve in my life i'll read books on whether that's weightlifting or nutrition or psychology or personal finance or maybe it's uh kind of finances and business or everything that i just i just read because th there is someone out there that spent maybe 40 years of his life just dedicating everything he had, all his time, his money, his energy, into learning something. And then he wrote a book about it. And then you can read that in six hours. Right? It took him 40 years. So I just feel like books are the ultimate shortcuts to just about everything we want. So, yeah, I read a lot of different, different books. How often are you reading? Oh, daily, daily, for sure. Okay. How many books would you say you read a year? I think I think maybe fifty. Nice, nice, nice. But that's that's tricky. That's a tricky one because I I read a lot of books multiple times, right? So there's some books that I'll mm. read, and then every three months I'll read it again, stuff like that. And so then does it that does that count as an entire book or not? That's kind of 
um, but that that's tricky. But I, I like to read the same books over and over again. I think I think some people get caught up in, in only just acquiring as much unique information as possible instead of sometimes mm-hmm. maybe going back to something that they are still not implementing to its fullest potential. I can definitely understand that there are some books that I like to read again. I probably don't read them like as frequently as like every three months, like you said. I probably may read them like a year or every other year um, because when if we're talking about personal development books, some of the information in the book will not relate to where you currently are in life. So you can't truly connect and receive it. Um, let's just say today as you would two years from now. Um, so I know sometimes I, like, okay, like I remember when I was reading Grant Cardone's book on like selling or Tony Robbins book on personal development. I remember reading this section of the book, However, I was not in the headspace and physical space to receive that and implement that information. But now I can. So let me go ahead and revisit that conversation and revisit those pages within the book um, Mm -hmm. that I'm able to like, okay, now I can actually execute on this and move forward. So I definitely understand that. That's that's uh, I think that's truly bad. I would even consider if you're reading the entire book again, why not add that throw down the list? Like I'll write another book. Like Technically, you're reading from beginning to end. So I, I can see that. I can see that. So question, Daniel, how we all always try to figure out like, you know, this one person that we can look up to when we're looking to make a change in our life. You were saying that you were starting to go down a a path that you didn't want to continue while you were in, um, in high school or your teenage years. How did you end up discovering Tony Robbins and how did you know that person was an individual, was somebody that you could follow down their path or listen to their words of advice? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think I just, I think this sounds very simple and it, and it was, I think I just started Googling like the most mm-hmm. basic questions, like how do I become successful in life or how do I grow as a person? Mm-hmm. How do I, and then I think you probably get a bunch of like a top 20 books list on this topic and top 20 authors on this. And then I think it was something along the lines of that. And then I would just really look into obviously who the person was, but also much about uh, what the book was about and what kind of results the people who read the book had gotten. And then, and then also a lot of it, I would kind of bet myself. So I've, I've bought a ton of books and trainings and courses. I've also been around the world to different conferences and seminars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. and not a lot of what I've learned, whether we're talking personal growth, but also in, in business and psychology and all these things, not everything is something that immediately translates or maybe ever translates to a, a tangible result. So oftentimes, like I said before, maybe it's it's five pages of that book or it's 10 pages of that book, and and then the, the, the results kind of spoke for themselves. So if I'm, if I'm reading something mm-hmm. and it helps me, like if I'm reading something and it helps me lose three pounds or I'm reading something and it increases my productivity by 15%, or if, if it works, basically, then I kind of, you know, that that's, that's kind of, maybe maybe that's actually enough, um, you know, qualified for me. Like some people will ask, why are you qualified to do that? Why are you qualified to, to write that book? Why are you qualified to? Well, well it's, it's, it's helping people with attainable results, and they're, they're actually seeing results. So I don't know. If, if I read something and it helps me, then I'm appreciative of the person that wrote it, right? So... I'm glad that you brought that up. Like, why are you qualified to write the book? All that type of stuff. Because one thing that I love to talk about on this show are, are uh, imposter syndrome, like overthinking, mm-hmm. and perfectionism. 
what you just touched on was a, a version of imposter syndrome. Like, why are you qualified yes. to write this book? And that's something that so many authors or aspiring authors go through when they're writing their first book. So I know when we were before we had started, you were saying that you wrote your international bestseller within a six-month time span. As you were writing that book, was there anything like in the back of your head and you're like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be the person that delivers this message? Well, one thing I tried to do a lot when I'm when I was writing um, my book and my courses and my content, and I still to, to an extent do that a lot today, mm-hmm. is I try to be a little bit more of a messenger. So many of the things that I put in my book, I didn't invent or create from thin air. I kind of just took maybe some Tony Robbins stuff, maybe some Grant Cardone, maybe all these people who, who are super, super uh, successful, uh, undeniably, right? And then I kind of took, the, the way I explained it in the book is I kind of want to be the, the chef, right? The chef didn't invent oregano or he didn't invent uh, pork, but he's taking all right. these things and he's making right. something that is better than the sum of its parts. And he's leaving out things you don't want in the dish and and that's kind of what I tried to do. So I t- kind of just sorted it for people. But also, I, I felt like if, if I'm getting people results, that is also kind of qualifying me. So even to this day, I'll have some family members or even some like friends of friends that will be like, wait, why are you justified or qualified to, to write a book? Can you do that? And I was like, I did. So, yeah, but are you qualified to do that? Well, I have thousands of people telling me with emails and, and, and DMs showing me the very tangible results that they've achieved after after going through my stuff, whether that's a course or whatever it is. So that is enough for me to know that, okay, I, I created something that helped people. And, and so perhaps I don't have 40 years of experience and I don't have 11 PhDs, but I did something that helped people. And that's, I think that's, yeah, that, that qualifies me, so. Were you getting results before, or not for yourself, but were you getting results for other people prior to writing the book? Well, a little bit. So I would, when I started really seeing results for personal uh, growth in general, I would obviously see the results for myself, right? I went from, like I said, drug, crime, my health right. was terrible mentally, physically, all that. I started turning that around. I started growing my, my dream physique, I started having more energy, I started having a better mental health, I started being more productive, all these things. So so those were very real results for me. And then I would start kind of sparring with my my friends, you know, hey, hey, try this thing I, I tried, right? And they'll, they would see the same results, I would help family members out, um, their goals in life, and, and it would just, the, the, this pattern emerged where, okay, people are uh, seeing, seeing results, so. So I, I kind of get what I think. I think I get what you what you're kind of getting at is what would I do if I didn't have those uh, like clear, tangible results? And I think, kind of, yeah, I, I kind of felt like maybe that was it. Yeah, but well, I think no. you, you. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I I, th- I think in that sense, I would still kind of go very much the the messenger route, being like, mm-hmm. I know this works because I've seen this work for a big guy like the Wang Hedong, but also tens of thousands of his followers. And I've seen this work and this work and this work, and now we kind of put it yeah. together. And so it's not me that goes out there and I'm kind of a messiah or prophet or whatever. I'm just kind of the, the chef making things easier to uh, digest and implement and understand. So I really like that analogy. You're not the person that, you know, created all the ingredients, but you're the, the, just the chef that's putting it all together 
to allow other people to enjoy it because maybe by itself they would never have discovered that particular ingredient or maybe enjoyed it let's throw something random broccoli by itself but you know with, combined with some other things you're like oh this is a really nice dish um but no so what i, I guess what i was i was wondering and the reason why i asked that question is because sometimes people may have let's just say like consulting that they do on the side and then let's just mm-hmm. say after two years of consulting they're like you know what i should probably write a book about this because i'm tired of you know spending an hour uh, let's just say three hours a day, you know, doing these one-on-ones where if I can write this book, I can now reach a lot more people. Or maybe like you were saying, like you got the results for yourself first and you're like, I know this works. And then you write the book. So I was just curious of like how um, were results being accomplished prior to writing the book? That's that's really it. That's all I was, I was just curious about. Now, the process of the book you were saying took about six months to write. Writing books can be difficult before if we move from like the imposter syndrome of being a, becoming an author. It's like, who am I to write this book to be a, an author, right? Then the other part of everything I like to speak about, let's just say overthinking perfectionism, really start to go into place. Really perfectionism for a lot of people when they're looking to write their first book and publish their first book. With you even though you already knew the methods that you wanted to implement into the book and you knew that you were already helping people get results, how difficult, if at all, was it for you to be able to be like, okay, this book is at a place where it has all the necessary content and I need to just go ahead and publish it. Maybe you didn't work with an editor. Um, Maybe you were like the editor and the proofreader and the designer, like talk us through that process. Absolutely. So, so first of all, I, I started very much with the, uh, what's it called? Uh, write drunk, edit sober mentality. So I was very much like, okay, I'll just kind of, I'll just write and, and it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to, even if there's a, a comma or a grammar mistake, or whatever, I'll, I'll just write, and I'll let it flow. And that's where the write drunk comes from, right? Just, just write. And then once you've written something, perhaps that's a bullet point, or maybe it's an entire chapter, maybe it's the entire book, then we can start a then we can start going into polishing it and and i i did have a proofreader and uh an editor but it was like it was no money really on on i just hired a freelancer on fiverr and upwork and stuff like that and it literally wasn't that wasn't that big a deal the reason i did it was because obviously english isn't my 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 native language and so there are some you know some 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 areas of your your like punctuation stuff like that where i just wanted to be sure that it was good but I, I honestly think I would have helped just as many people if I didn't uh, hire a proofreader and an editor. But um, but I, I think also I was kind of, you know, when I had the proofreader and the editor, they just went through it once, uh, both of them, and I, and I was just I was just ready to get it out there because, well, for multiple reasons. One of them is there's a big entrepreneur, I can't remember what his name is, but he, he said if you're – if you're not a little bit embarrassed of your first version of the product, then you've shipped too late. So I think it's just about getting it out there and then start, you know, getting some feedback. And I can always, which I probably will soon actually, make a, a second edition and improve everything if I want to. So it's just get it out there. I think it's best for for me as the author. I also think it's the better thing the, the better thing for the reader because if I'm if I'm keeping that book captive for another six months while people are on a wait list and all these things, it's just, 
you know, that's six months of results that I'm kind of denying them, right? So I think it's best for the reader as well to just get it out there. So um, I think I think with a lot of things in life, which is something I'm still practicing, whether it's business or a book or it's going to the gym or whatever, mm-hmm. I think speed is oftentimes more important than, than perfection. I think if you just go to the gym and you, you do what you can, and then obviously you want to do it right and you want to educate yourself on the exercise and all that. But if, if you wait in your, I like to say this, if you're waiting in your garage mm-hmm. until every light between you and your destination is green perfectly at the same time, mm-hmm. you're going to be in your garage forever, right? So just, just I don't know, I just, just, just get started and just ship it. So I know that's very, very easy and simple to say. I just feel like it's the thing we should be aiming for. No, but I know that's simple, but I think that is an amazing visual that everybody can relate to. You know, when we're looking to go somewhere, we're looking to go to work. uh, Let's just say, let's just go with going to work, right? Because it's a way of a form for all of us to be able to make money. If we wait for all the lights to be green to start the business, to apply for that job, like for whatever it is, realistically, unless you go at like three o'clock in the morning, because around here, all the lights are green at three o'clock in the morning. Um, but you may get caught with that one light that you got to wait for at like five minutes long. But realistically, most times when we're driving in the middle of the day, all your lights are not going to be green. You understand they're going to have to be uh, red lights that you come to. There's going to be traffic. There's going to be detours that you have to take. But that never stops you from leaving your garage to get to your destination. So I really love that. It's, it's speed. So what else have you realized other than your the writing process for your book and let's uh, say the gym? Other than those two things, what else have made you realize that, you know what, I need to focus on speed here and not necessarily perfection? Well, one thing I'm very, very, very big on is momentum. I had a mentor who told me the two things in life that scared him the most were momentum and a lack of momentum, right? The first thing scared him in a good way, right? Because when you're in momentum, it's scary how much you can achieve. You can, you can just break through uh, brick walls, right? You, you just, you're just a beast. And then when you have a lack of momentum, that's when we see procrastination is where we see overwhelm. Ironically, that's where we can see a lot of stress, actually, even though you're not really moving, but, but you kind of, you, you know, you're behind up here. And so a lack of momentum is really bad. So with everything I do, I, I try to really just be in momentum. And when I say momentum, I'm talking about on a routine basis. So mm-hmm. you and I just talked about before we got on here about um, going to the gym and being, being in the rhythm with that. Once you're in the rhythm with that, it's a lot easier. So if, if, if last week you went three times, it's a lot easier to go three times this week as well. Mm-hmm. And that's very powerful. But also on a, on a per project basis. The, I, I listened to some of your other episodes, and I think you talked a little bit about this um, on some of those episodes as well. But getting started is, is very, very, um, very much the, the, the thing keeping people from, well, obviously getting started, but also from ever finishing. And so on a per project basis, momentum is huge as well. Mm-hmm. So with something like writing the book, for example, um, Getting started is very, 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 very hard, and it's probably the thing that holds most people back. But if you've already already written like 170 pages, you can probably read the last 100 as well. So momentum is big for me, just like on a routine basis, but also on a per-project basis. And I feel like perfection 
can oftentimes be the opposite of momentum. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, yeah, speed is obviously a huge part of what momentum is, right? So I think when you're in momentum, you have less doubt. I think you have less imposter syndrome. I think you have less overwhelm. I think you just have more of everything good and less of everything bad. So It's funny that you bring that up. Or you also mentioned that that aspect of it because there was a conversation that I was having yesterday that I, I believe that relates to this in a way. And I do agree with you that part of momentum is your routine. Like your routine has a lot to do with the momentum that you create in your life, uh, whether we realize it or not. Some people are like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to have a routine. But realistically, we, we all have a routine, a routine whether we are conscious about it or not. It may not be a detail-specific productive routine, but you have a routine. Um, And when I believe when you have that routine that you are conscious about, that you're actively pursuing, it gets to be sometimes boring, but it's going to be something that always gets you results over time slowly. And once you start to see those and get those results, that's when, you know, the momentum, the success, like people start recognizing, it's like, oh, let me work with you, all things of that nature. So I was talking to a mentee yesterday about routines, and we were saying that uh, when it comes to your routine, you when you fall off, because we all fall off, off of our routine sometimes, um, the routine that we desire to have. I was telling him, sometimes you have to have like a, a keystone habit or like a keystone routine that you fall back into that allows all the rest of your routines to help you out. So like for me personally, it's I need to make sure that I'm in bed by 10 p.m. at the latest. If I'm in bed by 10 p.m. at the latest, I know I'll wake up early. I know I'll work out. I know I'll read. I know I'll, I'll journal. Like I know I will do everything else that I am desiring to do because I went to bed on time. And for some people, maybe something else. So for you, Daniel, what is that one thing for yourself that always helps you get back into your routine? I actually wanted to say the exact same one that you just said. <laughs> like literally exactly 10 p.m. If, I, if, I'm, if, I, if I'm in bed at 10 p.m. Because I, I, I understand the opposite happens uh, if, if I don't, right? So you just said that 10 p.m. Then that means you're up early. If you're up early, that means you can journal all these things. And, and then the opposite happens if you mess up, right? If, if I, for some reason, end up going to bed at midnight, that means I'm waking up late. And then I wake up with a very different kind of confidence, very different energy. And then, okay, oh, wait, now I'm two hours behind. Do I skip some work or do I skip a workout? Or do I skip, you know, it's, it's just it's just not good. So definitely going to bed on time. But I think a big one for me is exercising. Man, when I'm, when I'm working out consistently, I have more energy, more confidence, more self-worth. I respect myself more. And I get this 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 ball of doing hard things going. And and that's once again a very simple concept, but this idea of doing what's hard. I think if you can do that, you will win in business and life and and so and this this weight weightlifting or just movement in general. Could be some martial arts as well. It just really just keeps this this energy, this this kind of warrior energy that I want to kind of feel. Mm-hmm. It just keeps all of that going. So I, I eat better. When I work out, I am more productive before and after. When I work out, I am just, like I said, more confident and everything's better for me. So, yeah. 10 p.m. and working out. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I I also agree with you when you're saying, like, hey, when I am a better person um, and I'm more stuck on my routine, 
I'm doing well with working out, all that type of stuff. I it also translate over to business. I'm a firm believer that the better that you are personally, the better that you focus on your personal development, the more disciplined, consistent, all things of that nature. Um, it shows in your business life as well. So I meant to ask you earlier, what was the the journey or the gap between writing the book and then like, okay, I'm going to help other people out? Or are you doing, let me ask, let me start with that. Are you doing like one-on-ones, group coaching, or is everything that you've been helping out people have been through the words of your book? So for a bunch of years, I was mostly... Um, I'm mostly doing the the ebooks and the book and the the, the digital trainings. You know, buy this mm-hmm. this training for seventy dollars or whatever, or this course or and and this membership. And and I'm still doing all of that. I love it because, well, I'll, I'll get back to why I love that. But but now I'm doing more and more personal work as well. I I always kind of did it with family members and friends, and many of them would come up to me, or I would sometimes come up to them and kind of you know offer my help just just for practicing. Right. And, and for actually helping them in life. And then I do all of the, the kind of the digital products in my business. But now I'm doing a lot of, of one-on-one. There'll be some group coaching as well. There'll be some kind of like mentor mentor thing where it's like they have access to me, but it's not necessarily a coaching program, a bunch of stuff like that, because I feel I can go deeper and I feel I can do, I can do more value for the person that way. So now I have both. I have the kind of mass market thing where I can, help someone in Sri Lanka and Turkey and Japan and Florida at the same time with like a, with a book or something. But I can also have a one-on-one with a person where I know I'm doing, I'm helping fewer people but on, on a larger scale there. So I have kind of macro and yeah, and I really enjoy that. I enjoy both sides of it. Have you ever thought about starting like a solo podcast then something along the nature of that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, I, I will be doing that 100% in the, well, this year. I just, I haven't decided on when because I'm also kind of looking into how much of it should be kind of be solo, me just talking about stuff, how much of it should be me interviewing people. And so I'm still figuring those things out, but I, I will this year absolutely start a podcast. So, Oh, okay. Okay. I see opportunity here. So what advice, based on everything that you said this far, what advice would you give your own self? about starting the podcast because a lot of people are like, oh, I want to start a podcast, but they're maybe thinking, going through the same process that you're going through. But everything that you said this far, what advice would you give yourself about starting your own podcast? Some of my top uh, podcasters that I really, really, really uh, like listening to, and I know they have gazillion listeners and they're on top of the world. Sometimes I'll see they'll post like the first episode they ever did. Mm-hmm. And it's just absolutely, it's very, very different to what they're posting today. When I'm starting my podcast, I'm not saying that I'm going to, on purpose, make a bad episode. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to research. I'm going to put effort into everything that kind of matters in a podcast. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to do great work, right? I'm not, not here to, mm-hmm. um, to just mess around. I will, I will do what I can. But I'm very aware that no matter how much I put into that first episode, 300 episodes later, I'm going to look back and I'm going to just roll on the floor laughing. And I wouldn't want it any other way. So I would want that that first episode to get shipped or launched or 
released as soon as I as I could while still obviously doing uh, work I can, I can get behind. But but I just wanna I just want that first episode to be. And once again, I haven't decided on the date yet, but I'd rather that was in August than November. Right? I'd rather have it was in June than July. I'd rather, I just want to right. get it started. So, yeah. No, that's that's real. My first, the first podcast episode I ever did, not necessarily with this show, but the first podcast episode I did with my other show that I have, completely night and day. Because um, I, I didn't really know how to go about it. I was just like, you know what? It's just going to be a solo episode. I plugged up like a lavalier microphone that I got for $9 to, uh, to my camera that I had. And I just went live on Instagram and just started talking. Um, and after maybe like 15 or 20 episodes, I was like, all right, I got to upgrade this a little bit more. I got to do something different and continuously just starting to improve it from there. Eventually started doing um, guests on my show. And then now I'm, I'm doing this show. So, it's just it's a process, um, but yeah, like you said, the it is a little bit laughable because when I will listen back to like my first ten episodes, I'm like, people are listening to this, <laughs> they like yeah, this. and 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 you may say, well, the things that you changed after episode twenty, why didn't you just do those things right away? Why didn't you just make those upgrades before starting? Well, perhaps you weren't aware exactly mm-hmm. what needed to be upgraded in which way and how and when and. Because because you hadn't done that, so you you understood those needs for upgrading because of the twenty episodes, right? So that's then we're back to just get your car started and go, and then maybe the third um, light will be red. Cool, we'll we'll figure it out, and maybe after seven lights there will be a, a bit of a detour because of construction, whatever. Cool, we'll figure that out when we get there. Um, important part is we're not just in our garage, and uh, yeah. Question. You are the type of person that definitely indulges in a lot of learning. You're you're a forever learner. Do you have any mentors? Like, how? Or if you do, how many have you had? Oof, that's a that's a good question. I've certainly had mentors. I think I'm a little bit unsure of the uh, of the definition of of a, of a mentor. That would have to be like a back and forth, right? Because I've had a ton of people where I've gone to their conferences, shook their hands, read the books, all these things, and I've kind of, you know, gotten a lot from them, but there hasn't been this back and forth. Let's go with the, the mentor definition thing. to you. Like whatever mentor means to you. Well, if the mentor, what mentor means to me is someone that kind of shows me the way in, in, in something that I want to, um, you know, if there's a destination I want to get to and there's someone that kind of shows me the way to that, if that's if that's a mentor, which I think it is for me, then I've had many of them and, and many of them I still have. But I also have the kind of back and forth, which is a little bit more of like a an intimate mentor, coach, slash whatever relationship. I've had some a little bit of family, not too much. I have one uncle who's a serial entrepreneur as well. I can kind of spar a little bit with him. But then I also have a bunch of coaches like online, but where I actually meet them and we go back and forth and we kind of look at what's what's happening. I have that for my, my personal life, but also for my, my business. I'm thinking of getting it a personal coach for like my uh, my, my martial arts. And I I do a lot of uh, like Muay Thai boxing and MMA and stuff like that. I'm, I'm thinking of doing not just the classes, but some one-on-one there. I think one-on-one is, once again, like the books, it's a just a crazy shortcut. I, I'm not usually I hate the word shortcut because I'm very much about 
do the thing you need to do. There's no shortcuts or anything like that, but someone who's done what you want to do, who can one-on-one or through a book or course, whatever, can show you the way. I think it's just so goddamn powerful. It's the closest thing to a shortcut that I can that I can think of. No, I, I can definitely uh, align with you on that. So I, I'm a bo- I box. So I can nice. definitely... So let me back up. In boxing, the way that a lot of people get into boxing is going to like fitness classes, right? And so... <laughs> Yeah, dude, I've seen the fitness classes and the, they're kind of punching from their hips and everything. And then when they come to an actual yeah. like, boxing class, they, they've learned things that are kind of difficult to, to exactly. get away from again. And so, yeah. So I was, after going through a couple of the group fitness classes to one of my local gyms, I was like, you know what? I want to start doing some one on one training with the coaches. The way that I started progressing at a much faster rate by doing the one on ones was outrageous. And like you're saying, like, I still obviously have to put in the work. Like, I'm going to the one-on-ones with the coach, and he's actually telling me, like, hey, you need to fix this and go home and work on X, Y, Z. I go on and work on it. But it's a shortcut in a way. Because if I were to just continue to go to the group sessions, and let's consider the group sessions like just a book, right? You can't go back and forth with the author. Um, You can't have a one-on-one. Um, if you're thinking about the group session, you're the coach, the author can't tailor everything to you specifically, um, because you're not within that intimate situation. So yeah, having those one-on-ones interactions, it definitely is the shortcut quote unquote in order, in order to help you get to where you want to be a lot faster. Yeah. And also the, the, the feedback loop is Mm -hmm. very, very, very important, which you can't do through a book. And so let's, I know your basketball is pretty huge in, in the US, so I'll use this analogy. If I'm out there practicing my three-pointer and I'm, I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over again, I like to say practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes permanent. So if you're doing the wrong thing 300 times per day, you'll get really, really, really good at doing the wrong thing, right? So, so many people think if I just go get out there and I just shoot the three-pointer, if there's no feedback loop, so you're just shooting, oh, I missed. And then you're shooting again, oh, I missed. And you do that. You get really good at going a little bit too much to the right or maybe your wrist is not where it's supposed to be or whatever. Right. But if you have some kind of feedback loop, perhaps there's a coach, right? And then you you, you shoot and he goes, oh, maybe you, you need to twist this a little bit. Okay, you'll try again. Mm-hmm. Better, but try a little bit more. Okay. And then there's every, after every try, there's a feedback loop. Now, you can kind of try to do that yourself, right? Maybe you can film yourself or maybe you can shoot and then... Ask yourself, look, what, what happened? Why did it go too much to the right? Or why am I not getting it? Whatever, whatever. So try if you can get this feedback loop. But oftentimes it's just, it's, it's a lot easier um, if there's someone that can give you that feedback. So I think a lot of people, and I'm, I'm all for practicing. It's great. Just be aware that if there's no feedback loop, you can just get really good at doing the wrong thing. What would you say is some of the, the best advice that you received or the best feedback that you received? from any type of mentors over time? Sometimes it's the simplest stuff. Like really just the, the, the powerful reminders. And I know those are not sexy. The sexy stuff is like the really um, advanced, you know, powerful hack, whatever you can double something by doing mm-hmm. this one thing for training this, whatever, whatever. For me with, let's say a business coach, 
I've absolutely been absolutely been discussing like some more high level stuff of how you should manage your 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 fin- finances when you have this amount of profit and this amount of you know go, kind of go deep into the numbers and all these things, and that's valuable. But sometimes the most powerful stuff it's just a, a simple reminder. And I think one of the most powerful ones that I've gotten recently, which I love, is only doing the thing is doing the thing. There was some guy that wrote a huge, uh, long tweet about it. I think maybe, you, maybe you've seen it, but where he said, you know, reading about doing the thing isn't doing the thing. Talking to someone who's done the thing isn't doing the thing. Planning to do the thing isn't doing the thing. The only thing that's doing the thing is doing the thing. And for me, I kind of had, sometimes I had like periods of time where I would step into this idea that everything that had something to do with my business mm-hmm. was productivity. So whether I was reading about business or I was DMing people about business or I was at a business class or whatever, as long as it had something to do with my business, I felt like, man, that was, that was productive and that was good. Now we've kind of stripped like 90% of what I was doing away and said, you can do those things. Absolutely. Read books and go to classes and all these things. Just know that's not doing the thing. So when we say do the thing for maybe an hour and a half, then we take a break, then I do another work session when, when I'm doing the thing for 90 minutes, that, that's only this thing. Right? Maybe that's reaching out to podcasters or maybe it's writing my, you know, my ebook, whatever. So that, that's one thing that's very powerful to me. It's just kind of removing everything that isn't doing the thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, taking action is the... Taking action is the only way that you're truly going to be able to get that experience that, and honestly, a lot of times the true knowledge that you're looking for, because like you said, sometimes watching the videos, the tutorials, reading the books is one thing, but you gain a different type of knowledge when you're actually in the thick of it. So yeah, doing, doing the only way to do the thing is to do the thing. I, I like that. I like that. Um, but Daniel, wrapping up here today, I always have like one question that I love to to ask people. You you probably heard this from one of the other episodes. But what was success to you five years ago, and what is success to you today? So, one thing I sometimes talk about, which we we haven't talked too much about today, where we can maybe do that if there's a round two in the future. But I talk about this idea of having a kind of a vision for what your world-class life would look like. Like like just a really incredible life for you. What kind of health would you want? What kind of business? What kind of money? What kind of everything? What kind of confidence would you want? Mm-hmm. And when you have that vision of what an ideal life would look like, which I don't think I'm ever going to hit. I don't think anyone is, should ever hit it because once I get a little bit closer to it, maybe I'll adjust or maybe I'll make the, the vision more ambitious or whatever. Um, but, but that vision, I think success is getting closer to that mm. i think happiness is great and and i think happiness is good it's not something i'm going to chase as much because i feel happiness it comes and goes you can be the, the billionaire and everything you'll have happy days on happy days you can live somewhere terrible you'll have happy days on happy days i think that's difficult to kind of chase and then maybe you just, then you failed when you're not happy I, I don't really like that too much so i think happiness i think it's like jordan peterson says aim for good, pray for happiness. So what I try to do is I try to get closer to this ideal version of, of a good life. And um, 
And then when happiness is there, nice. And when it's not, I'm still going to do the things I need to do to get close to the ideal life, which hitting the ideal life is not success for me, but getting closer to it today compared to yesterday, I think that's the ultimate def- uh, definition for success for me. I love that. There's so, there's so many different aspects of that that I, I love. I, I'm also a firm believer of that happiness comes and goes. People are like, are you happy? I'm like, no, but I, I'm appreciative. That's I, that's kind of like the route that I always go to. I appreciate where I am in life. I'm grateful for where I am. But I feel like happiness is like like joy on like 10. And I don't feel that way every single day. Um, and like talking yeah, about like that and- lifestyle, like if I'm going towards that lifestyle, I also feel like I'm doing good. Yeah. And also like if, if I was chasing happiness, that was kind of what led me to problems when I was younger, right? Because if mm. you're doing cocaine, you're, you're happy. If you're speeding 200 kilometers an hour, well, I don't know what that is in miles, but 140 maybe or something like that. It's, it's, I'm happy, right? I'm, or at least some kind of, of happiness, but it's not good for me. And once again, like Jordan Peterson says, if you give your child an ice cream for dinner, he'll be happy. If you give him a, a healthy, well-cooked meal, he'll have a good life. So you should choose, do we want him to be happy or do we want him to have a good life? Mm. And I think we should absolutely give our son the good life, right? The healthy meal. It's not going to be a good thing if he has ice cream for dinner every day. And then you realize that once he has the good meal, oftentimes he'll actually perhaps be even happier, you know, over time than if he had the ice cream every day. So I just think chasing happiness is difficult. I think you should chase a good life instead. Mm. And on that note, I think that's a great point to to save for for another day. Daniel, this has been an amazing, amazing episode. Uh, would love to have you just like publish yourself real quick. Where can people find you and where can people support you? Absolutely. So I will go harder and harder on social media. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the most on Instagram, but I will be going on just about every social media out there. So you can just search for my name. I'll, 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 I'll be there. And if I'm not, I will be in the very near future. And then there's my company website, passionforachievement.com, where there is an opportunity to grab a, a free PDF that kind of helps with some of the stuff we've talked about today. It shows how I would design a world-class life for myself or a client, and then how we can get closer to that in the best, most effective, and most sustainable way. So that's completely free. If you want that, you can grab it. And, um, yeah, I think that's that's about it. I also have the book on Amazon, but um, yeah, the, the Cure for Mediocrity, it's called. But uh, I will admit, Passion for Achievement is getting the majority of my attention at the moment, so that's probably the best place to, to go. And yeah. that was Passion, the number four, correct? Yes, Passion, the number four, achievement.com. Perfect. But Daniel, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your Saturday evening to be with us today. This has been an amazing episode, y'all. Um, always remember... If you gain some value from this episode, go ahead and share it out to three people. Uh, share that knowledge with the world um, so we can continue this international uh, gems that Daniel is over here dropping. Y'all, this has been another episode of Verified Phenoms. We will catch y'all on the very next episode. See you.